0: Hey, welcome back to the Motivational Intelligence Podcast, where we talk to some of the world's most accomplished people about how they motivate themselves and how they motivate others. I'm Sean Johnson, and today we're bringing you a conversation with Ryan Holly of Lincoln Financial Group. Ryan is one of the most genuinely good-hearted human beings that I've ever had the pleasure of interacting with, and this conversation will certainly reflect that. Uh, It's a big focus on servant leadership. So I'll give you just a brief bio about Ryan before we dive in. Ryan is Assistant Vice President, Regional Manager at Lincoln Financial Group. In his role, he oversees distribution of group protection solutions to help provide employees and their families with financial well-being and peace of mind, providing benefits when they need them most. His team of senior account executives are dedicated to customer retention and expanding Lincoln Financial Group presence with employer groups of all sizes. His mission is simple to make a meaningful impact in the lives of others. And we'll talk more about that we ask him about that. He's got some cool little coins that he actually carries around. Ryan graduated from Hawthorne College of Business at Western Michigan University, and he lives in Charlotte, North Carolina, with his wife Holly and daughter Grace. They enjoy skiing, water and snow, golfing and hiking together. So this is a really great episode for you. Um, Again, Ryan is just such a genuinely good human being, that uh, I think that'll come through in this conversation. So until next time, please enjoy this episode of the Motivational Intelligence Podcast.
1: The Motivational Intelligence Podcast is produced by the team at 2Logical. 2Logical is an international corporate training firm and the world's leading expert in motivational intelligence, which is the ability to understand, manage, and change the motives people have. Two Logical offers over 30 different keynotes, workshops, and full training courses to small, medium, and large Fortune 500 companies in 53 countries, a lot of which you're probably familiar with. Pfizer, Bank of America, GE, Constellation Brands, P&G, and more. All solutions are completely customized, and the feedback from these sessions will blow your mind. If you have any training or speaking needs or just want to say hey, head over to TwoLogical.com.
2: Well, hello everybody. Uh, welcome to the podcast today. Uh, we've got a very, very neat interview today uh, on the Motivational Intelligence Podcast. Uh, you know, through our journey in life, we, you know, we all meet many, many people, and every now and again, you you meet somebody who who really stands out, you know, and. And it's, you know, many times for, for a lot of different purposes. But what I find the real special ones are the people who, they, they just seem to operate on a different plane than, uh, than, than other people do. They seem to get it a little bit more. They, they move with a, a, you know, maybe a little bit more introspection and a, and a greater sense of purpose. And today's guest is, is one of those people. His name is Ryan Hawley. Uh, I first met Ryan in the fall of 2018 when we were launching a leadership initiative with Lincoln Financial. And, uh, and as I've gotten to know him, what uh, I've also come to realize is that Ryan is one of the strongest servant leaders of anybody that I've met. Uh, and as such, he really has built a tremendous track record of success. And uh, shortly after he and I met, he, he actually shared with me a culture statement that he had put together for his team. And I think it, in, in so many regards, really tells you a ton about who he is as an individual and the, the, the type of leader that he is uh, and why he's built the success that he has. So I want to share that with everybody as we're kicking off. So the culture statement starts off with, we are driven by... And then it says, our non-negotiables. I love just that non-negotiables. And number one was integrity. Number two is urgency. The number three non-negotiable is ownership. And the number four non-negotiable is caring professionalism. And then he goes on to talk about the common purpose of the team, which is making a meaningful impact in the lives of others through selfless service. So I think that pretty well profiles uh, our guest today. So Ryan, uh, welcome to the show.
3: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for that introduction,
0: uh, Ryan. So I wanted to kick things off. One of the things, you know, is I've you and I haven't gotten a chance to talk a ton before this, but uh, Dave kind of won't stop talking about you. So. Um, <laughs> So uh, one of the things that I've been impressed by from you know everything that Davis had to say about you is that you know you've really developed uh, a high level of motivational intelligence. You have a, a high level and a high ability to motivate yourselves and to motivate other people, but you do it in a way that uh, I think is different than the way a lot of people think about it. In in your kind of servant leadership model and being very introspective. Um, so I wanted to kind of kick things off by, you know, kind of taking us back and maybe going to your childhood to talk about what what kind of shaped you growing up. Who, uh, you know, maybe talk about your family and the influence that that had on you and and your mindset.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I uh, definitely grew up with uh, an incredible uh, support system and family system. I grew up in the an upper middle-class family in, in Michigan. It was in a town uh, called the Plymouth-Canton area that's between Detroit, Michigan, and, uh, and Ann Arbor. Um, I was raised, uh, both my, my mom and, and dad, uh, and I am the middle child, so I have an older sister and then a younger brother. And I would say that growing up, we were definitely... Uh, my parents kind of honored a lot of the traditions uh, and and values that were, that were instilled in them and that were brought down, you know, through uh, from their parents. So definitely lots of rich values uh, and, you know, rooted in integrity. A lot of these statements that you talked about that were there, uh, you know, a lot of things uh, rooted in integrity, hard work, uh, respect for others And I grew up sort of watching a lot of examples around me, whether it be my grandparents, whether it be my parents, whether it be other leaders and that that they surrounded themselves with, that sort of instilled that. And as I reflect now today, you know, and think about what shaped me, a lot of uh, those folks around me uh, instilled a lot of those things that, um, you know, I didn't even you know, you don't realize until, until you, you get later on in life that, uh, that those were kind of seeds that were planted by incredible people, you know, at, at, at such a young age. Um,
0: so uh, was that, were those things, you know, integrity, respect for others, working hard, were those things that, uh, you know, how did, how did they instill those things in you? Was it something that they talked about, something they said? Was it, you know, leadership by example, a kind of a combination of those things?
3: A lot of leadership by example. I mean, I'll take, um, you know, hard work. You know, my father uh, ran, helped to run a a manufacturing company from, you know, for most my entire life. Uh, He actually went to college, you know, pretty much the joke is is that he graduated on a Friday and started to go work for a company that he was at uh, on a Monday and he was there for his entire career. But I watched him work tirelessly at his job. Um, He was very, very dedicated. But I also witnessed, uh, had an opportunity when um, I went to school, not to fast forward the story, but um, I interned there at the place that he worked at. And I witnessed and experienced the way that he interacted with people, the way that people talked about him, and uh, just the way that he carried himself. It really instilled those values um in me because of the the example that he had set and the example that that I had experienced and witnessed.
0: Yeah, so there I think there's a they've mentioned there's a might be a cool story there. So it was Detroit Diesel was the company, right?
3: It was. It was Detroit Diesel. It was uh it was a General Motors uh, uh business that was sold to Roger Penske and Roger Penske for those that don't know him. Uh, I, I encourage, you know, the listeners to to take a look at some of his background and his history, but uh, just an incredible leader, one that, um, you know, instilled, he had a, a saying when you walked into, it was a very large, they made uh, diesel engines for, you know, their signature product was, a, they called it the Series 60, which is an on-highway truck engine that, you know, still to this day is made there in Detroit. A lot of the semi trucks that you see on the road today, they have that uh, one of their engines in it. But there was a sign when you went into the facility in the entrance, and it said effort equals results. And uh, that was something that my father lived by, something that was instilled, and we talked about around, you know, as a family, is that nothing is given to you, you know, that you have to put forth effort, you have to prepare, you have to work hard. In order to accomplish great things,
0: yeah. And there was was there some sort of deal with uh, college and interning there? Can you tell that story?
3: Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, I I went to school. I went to the same. uh, I went to Western Michigan University where my father went, and there was sort of this underwriting uh, rule that uh, he would help pay for college. I had to maintain certain grades, and I had to take an internship really of his choosing. So I wasn't able to spend time goofing off over the summer. I was in there really learning some very valuable lessons, um, valuable lessons of, you know, working hard, uh, working with um, lots of different people, um, you know, learn to, to build relationships from, uh, you know, folks from all different walks of life. I learned what I wanted to do. I learned some things that what I what I didn't want to do. Uh, as well, it was a, it was an incredible experience.
2: What a great thing to have too, as a college student too. You know, you think about so many kids they journey through school, and I was actually listening to uh, uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast when he just released uh, and uh, Brene Brown, uh, and she was talking about sending her daughter to school, and. Saying if you only take classes that you know that uh, that you want to take that you think are in the the vein of, of what you want to do in life, she goes. I'm not paying for school. She goes. She goes. The most valuable thing you'll learn in 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 college is not what you want to do, but what you don't want to do.
1: Yeah. And
2: uh, you know, so what a what a wonderful experience to have that while you were going through college, rather than afterwards.
3: You know, when I reflect back on it, I really and especially going through some of the training that. David, that you came in and did with us uh, at Lincoln Financial was, you know, you really start to, to reflect and think back on these different parts of your journey throughout your life. And that was one. And I think about the belief system that a lot of folks had that I believe, um, you know, shaped a lot of their thinking and shaped the way that, uh, you know, the decisions that they made every single day. And, um it was a, it was a it was a phenomenal experience. Um, that was just you know one lesson you know that I learned was being in that environment, having the opportunity to to do both work out on the factory floor. I also had an opportunity to work in what was you, know, you definitely had kind of a, a blue collar blue collar culture, and then you had kind of the white collar culture. Within this is a facility with you know over a thousand people that work there. There's about a million two square feet under roof, kind of a city, uh, if you will, under roof. And um, I had an opportunity, you know, to do an IT project. And so, again, interacting with a lot of different people to try and accomplish things that you know I was just an intern, they didn't need to listen to me. So, I had to form some skills at a pretty early age of how to get folks to, to buy into what it is that, that you were trying to accomplish in an environment that, um, you know, not necessarily was conducive, uh, to, to that.
0: So. So what were some of the ways that, you know, you are coming in, you're an intern, I would imagine you probably, you know, as, as a college kid, it's hard to get people who are, you know, full-time employees there, but I would imagine you had to get some sort of buy-in from them on a lot of these projects. How how did you go about, you know, kind of getting them to to buy in and do what, um, what you needed them to do for that project?
3: You know, it was difficult because, again, you didn't really have any influence. You had to, a lot of times, just get to know the person. Had to get to know what motivated them, what they were interested in, tried to help to explain what it is that you were trying to accomplish and how that them... Uh, Being a part of what you were trying to accomplish was going to benefit them and try and show some of the value, which is, you know, I think at the core of everything, if you can show value to someone as to, so I tried to look for ways as to what we were trying to accomplish was going to maybe make their job a little bit easier or take something that they didn't enjoy doing, you know, try and find a a way in which that was going to make an improvement to their day-to-day job. You know, a lot of them looked at me and even said to me at times, you're just a kid, you know, you're going to leave after the summer. You know, I've been here for 20 years or however long they had been there and that um, this was this was their life. And, um, you know, don't don't mess with it. Kind of was their a lot of their their feedback to me. Mm. But uh, again, it was a, a phenomenal experience and uh, I'm very grateful to have had it. It's it shaped who I am today.
0: And so you said your dad, it was kind of the internship of your dad's choosing. Was it, you know, one internship within Detroit Diesel, or were you doing kind of different jobs, uh, you know, every summer, or was he moving you around to a lot of different things?
3: No, each summer, so I did it uh, over several summers, and they were different uh, jobs that I, I actually had to apply for, had to be accepted into the internship program, and then assigned into different projects essentially for the summer. So they had a, a formal internship program. So it was uh,
2: a little was a bit, lot of a little bit different there, you know? <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. Gotta earn your strength. You know, another kind of getting back, kind of getting back to some of the, just sort of leadership and, and seeing, you know, really my father's been a, a tremendous mentor to me. Another thing that I saw was, so he, he ran big part of the, uh, he ran the engineering department and, um, I remember they used to go to Purdue to do a lot of recruiting. There's great engineers out of Purdue University because they grow up in these rural areas and grow up on farms and around a lot of the equipment that they're making there, and they just make phenomenal engineers. And uh, so he would go on these recruiting trips. And I remember as a kid, we would, every once in a while, we would, my mom would sit us down and she would tell us how, we were going to have a special guest uh, for dinner you know that, that night or coming up and that we needed to be on our best behavior and um, represent the family well. And uh, my dad would invite someone that he had recently hired that was, you know, leaving most likely a lot of times this is the first time a lot of these folks were leaving home for the first time. They were moving to a new city. And uh, my father took the time to invite them over to our home to have dinner with us. You know, a lot of times before their families would move, or some of these folks were just young, you know, young kids right out of school, and kind of show them that, you know, when I reflect and I look back on that and think about that, just what an incredible example of being able to welcome somebody into your home to share a meal with them and just get to know, you know, the person that you're going to be working with is just another tremendous lesson that I didn't realize, you know, at the time, you know, just what a what an unbelievable example that he was setting, you know, for me to to follow, you know, in my career later on.
2: Yeah, talk about a wonderful way to make people feel comfortable and, you know, in a time of change in their life and and I think you're right, Ryan, that you can you, he really did. He set that example of what, you know, what does a servant leader really look like? And uh, just in thinking about those men and women who are coming to be, you know, part of the the organization and, and welcoming, welcoming them to both your family and the Detroit Diesel family. That's cool.
3: You know, I even watched, uh, I remember Roger, uh, one of the internships, uh, we'd have to do an orientation. And it was an orientation to what Detroit Diesel was about and the business was about. But also, you know, had a lot of safety components. You know, you're in a in a manufacturing confi- manufacturing environment that's dangerous, and there's a lot of safety protocols and things that you have to follow and be aware of as well. And through that orientation, I had the opportunity one of the summers where Roger actually came in, and he was the one teaching part of the orientation. Hmm. And I thought, what a what you know. Now when I reflect back on it, what an incredible example of leadership to walk in and see, you know, this, you know, he he was larger than life personality from a standpoint of, from a leadership perspective, but to take the time, you know, these were a lot of times in the evening. I mean, this, this facility ran pretty much 365, you know, every day around the clock, 24 hours a day. And, uh, you know, he would, he would come in and for him to take the time and make that a priority was just uh, an incredible lesson. And I'll kind of transition that story into today. You know, one of the things that, you know, working at Lincoln Financial Group, being on the distribution and and the sales side and representing the business out in the marketplace, something that's very important is making sure that the folks that are essentially delivering on the promise that we make every day, that they recognize the importance of their role and they recognize the importance of our success as a business. And so I actually go in and some of the folks from my team, we go in and we meet with the new, we're in a claims uh, shop. And um, so we go in and spend some time with new recruits. They're gonna be joining uh, to help pay claims and express that to them, that they make a meaningful impact in the lives of everybody that they touch every day. And what an incredible opportunity that they have and that they have a choice to look at their job in many different ways. And, um, it's just a, a really neat, I found it to be just an exceptional opportunity for me to transition out of some of my day-to-day responsibilities, go meet with new people that are joining our organization, share with them what I believe to be a really important message. And I would say that I, I learned that, you know, from, from Roger and from you know my father and 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 growing up and and seeing those 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 mentors in front of me. Yeah.
2: You know, you think about how often that step gets overlooked in people's careers, and you you know you have those folks who they come in every single day and they do their job and and they really don't necessarily see or feel uh, a, a real sense of purpose in what they're doing, and and thus they just kind of go through the motions, but from a leadership perspective, taking that time to to prioritize that, you know, because certainly there's no shortage of other things that you could be doing with your time, but to go and sit with those people and really help them to see and feel the difference that they make in people's lives. And you, you certainly can see how, how that impacts the purpose with which they move, how inspired they feel. In in you know what it is they're doing and and understanding at a higher level the difference that they really make in people's lives, and I think that 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 piece so oftentimes you know it's just taken for granted. Um, so I you know you can I can certainly see where that would make a difference, Ryan.
3: So there's a um, there's a challenge coin that that was presented to me that represents a lot of the things that uh, we talked about regarding those non-negotiables, the common purpose. And this challenge coin is something that I have in my pocket. It's something that I carry with me every day. And it's, it's really meant to remember, it says right on it, remember who you are and what you represent. And then on the back of it, it says make a meaningful impact in the lives of others through selfless service. And so you, you know, I think that we all have a choice and whatever our profession is, whatever our job is, whatever field that we've chosen to to go do in, in our life is to you know get up every day and I think ask yourself that question, you know how can I go make a, a meaningful meaningful impact in the lives of others? And so I find that this helps me to remember what my what my purpose is and remember. That I can make an impact in the lives of others, and that I need to seek out and look and find ways uh, to do that. And so that's just one example. I would say that, but it doesn't have to be something like that, regardless of where you are in the company, you know, where you are in whatever your business is. You may be unemployed right now, it can be just an impact you can make in the life of somebody that you're standing in line with at the grocery store or, you know, at the airline counter. Uh, I just find that it actually is, is quite a a fun. Uh, I find it to be extremely rewarding, energizing and fulfilling just to look for ways that you can put a smile on somebody's face or make an impact in that person's life. And um, it's woven into pretty much everything that I do and everywhere that I'm at. It's not just a, a means to, to, you know, drive success from a business perspective. It's really a means of, of, in a way of, of living life.
2: Yeah. You know, I remember, uh, years ago, and I'm you know, dating myself a little bit with this story, but years ago, uh, you used to, there was a company, I think they still exist called Nightingale conet and they had tape series that you could buy from different motivational speakers and, and things like that. And, This is back in the days when you're, you know, the cutting edge of audio technology in your car was a cassette tape. Uh, And uh, I remember listening to a series done by Ken Blanchard. And one of the things that he said is every day and everything that you do, you have an opportunity to bring more love or more hate into the world. And, and I, I remember reflecting on that and, and thinking exactly to your point, Ryan, how, you know, all of those little interactions that we have every single day, whether it's, you know, if we're in traffic and letting somebody get in front of us or, um, you know, just, you know, smiling at somebody and, and telling them, you know, hey, I hope you have a great afternoon or just the, those simple little things that we can do to bring more love into the world and, uh and, it, and you know it decidedly makes a difference. it makes a difference in their lives and, and it makes a difference in ours too
3: I think that's the, that's the point is a lot of people think well I'm too busy or I have too much going on or you know I've got deadlines to meet, I've got sales quotas to hit, whatever that it is that uh, but you get tenfold and you accomplish I believe those things and then some by just looking at, you know, everyday interactions in whatever it is that you do in a different way. And that's truly, you know, it's truly a choice. Uh, I truly believe that it's choosing to look for ways to do that. It's, it's a, it's a way of, of, of approaching each and every single day with a different set of purpose. And, um, you know i i see a lot of very successful i'm a very driven i just got my uh my hogan just did a hogan assessment and got my results back and it was it's amazing the how they do that and how they show you uh you know from those questions uh, you know share with you a lot of things about about yourself that that you know really are, are very spot on but it um you know, I, th- I think, you know, I'm very driven and, and I know there's a lot of folks and many of your listeners are very, very driven. And you think in order to achieve success that you've got to, you know, climb all over other people that you, you know, if, if, if you don't get to the top, um, you know, if you help others get to the top, then you're not going to get to the top or, you know, you've got to beat somebody to, uh, to succeed and, um, you know, I, I've gone through this journey through leadership, through, you know, trying to uh, achieve high success and, and everything that I've done is um, I've gone through this journey and, and approach and I've come to such a sense of peace related to the fact that by truly looking at ways that you can make an impact in other people's lives, that the results come back to you in, in tenfold in a lot of different ways and uh, I've achieved some incredible success way beyond what I thought was possible through approaching each day with, um, with looking at how you can serve others, how you can serve your team, how I can serve, you know, the folks that give me the opportunity to, to work with them every single day in the marketplace that I, that I serve. And um, it's been, it's been incredible.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, you're 100% right at, uh, in looking at it, that it's a choice of, of how you decide to look at these things and, and the way in which you approach them. And I love how, uh, I love the coin. I love that as like, you know, that's, that's such a good reminder to have in your pocket um, as a reminder to kind of make that choice consciously every day and, and every moment of the day. What's the story behind the coin? How did you, when did you start, you know, carrying that around? How did you come acro- uh, about it? why did you start uh, carrying it with you?
3: Yeah, no, it's a great question. So one of uh, my mentors um, that came to me introduced himself and and said, hey, I I heard that you're doing some great things and I wanted to uh, invite invite me out for breakfast one morning. He first wrote me a note and number one is uh, just the power. One of the, the lessons that I've learned from this person is the power of a handwritten note. Um, you know, get some good stationery and make it a habit of writing regular notes to people and share your thoughts because it's so meaningful. That's something that I cherish, the notes and that. So this mentor, who is a mentor of mine, um, nothing from a formal perspective. It was really just somebody that reached out, um, gave me the opportunity to, to spend some time with them and he shared the story about the coin and about um, how he has challenged uh, his organization and his business to uh, inspire, uh, aspire to these things each and every day and how that it's worked. Um, he talked about situations with customers where this was brought up and how he shared what their common purpose and, and vision and mission was. Um, so that's kind of where it started. And then um, I have really taken it to ad- adopt it and 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 utilize that uh, within a lot of the things that I do.
0: Yeah, that's that's really cool. I think um, uh, that's such a great reminder because it's so easy to get caught in, you know, just the the day to day stuff, especially when you're trying to really build that habit to make sure that you're embodying the the mindset and the mentality that you want to be, it's easy to kind of get swept away in the flood of emails and texts and phone calls and all that kind of stuff. So that's a really cool way. I love the, the coin. Just I'm a my,
2: physical anchoring point. On yeah, that. yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Especially with so much digital now. It's I, I love, and that's the, the, physica, the, the physical structure of the coin and even just the handwritten note. Well,
2: and every morning putting it in your pocket. Yeah, you know the conscious act of putting it in your pocket makes you think about
0: it. Yeah, we might have to get some coins made.
2: I'm, I'm thinking at bare minimum we got to put a we got to we got to put this in the show notes yeah. so uh, people can link to it. Yeah. So now, Ryan, do you have any idea where they where the coins came from?
3: I mean, it was really developed by this individual. Uh, okay. I mean, certainly, uh, he's just an exceptional leader. Uh, had studied, you know, really the history of the challenge coin. Really, there's a there's a very large, a big uh, military history with it. I don't know if you know the whole story, but a lot of it originated back from a World War II squadron. There was a young pilot, uh, an aircraft that was damaged uh, by ground fire and was forced to land behind enemy, enemy lines. When he was captured by the German patrol, um, he was able to escape and he went to a French outpost um, on the front lines. Um, They didn't recognize him at first that he was uh, an American and the French were gonna execute him. But then he showed uh, the French his his, uh, challenge coin and one of the French captors recognized the insignia on it as American. And the American challenged uh, his French captors to contact the Americans to identify him and the result was that instead of him facing the firing squad, they gave him a bottle of wine and set him free. Hmm. So that's some of the history of the challenge going, but really this, this, uh, mentor is just an incredible leader. Someone that recognized that, um, and really adopted it into running you know, his part of the organization. And, um, it's it's a symbol to that we use every day to remember who we are and what we represent and that uh, it challenges us to be at our very best you know with others especially with you know in our business from client encounters to be you know fully present in every single moment uh, that we have the opportunity uh, to have with, with um, our clients in, in the marketplace so um, also to kind of really hold ourselves to the highest standards uh, each and every single day. So it, it truly meets that purpose, which is to challenge us to to, to do those things each and every day.
2: Yeah. And I, I also love what you said about the handwritten notes. And and I think that's a lost art form that, you know, but it makes in the, the days of text messages and emails and all of that, it, you know, taking that time to handwrite a note to somebody and uh, you've you've actually been kind enough to gift me a couple of books uh, since you and I met, and uh, and and that's one of the things I I always cherish. Uh, you know, every time I you know I get one of those books, is you always handwrite a note inside the uh, the cover, and it it just uh, it elevates the sense of importance, and uh, and it conveys a, a a great message, and I think that is uh, another wonderful leadership tip that people can take. You know, the it doesn't really take you that much more time to handwrite a note than it does to type an email, but the impact and level of importance that it conveys is entirely different, and and the permanence of it is entirely different.
3: Yeah, I have a drawer in my office that I put a lot of notes and people you know give them to me, and it's just a reminder to myself how important that it is to me. And uh, you know, just a leadership tip for for those that lead other people is you know a great a great gift or a great way to not only thank your team uh, on an accomplishment or you know whatever kind of milestone or something that you may want to recognize is um, uh, go you know, get some personalized stationery for them you can go to you know any stationery store or order it online i think i got mine from from you know from an online store and get personalized stationery for them and give it to them and um you know, I've done that in the past, and I really think that it helps to instill a, a great habit for them as well, that you'll see uh, you know, dividends be paid off uh, because of that. But it all started from just you know, one great lessons from mentors that I've had in my life that have done those things and, and paved the way and showed me those things. And then I recognized the, the way that they made me feel and the impact that those things had in my life and i sort of take an inventory of those things and you know just taking inventory of the things that impact you and then trying to do those for others again back to that selfless you know more of what you can do for for others of based off of things that people are doing for you that you really enjoy or that you like
0: yeah i think you know and you mentioned taking kind of stock of what things have really affected you and, and incorporating that into, you know, your leadership style. One thing that um, I think is really impressive and probably something that not a lot of people would guess about you was that uh, when you were a kid, you actually had a learning disability. Is that right?
3: I did. Yeah. When I was going through, so I went to a small Catholic uh, grade school and when we were looking to, you know, going from grade school into middle school, you know, most of the Catholic school systems, you move schools at that point. And uh, I was really struggling in school at that point. And uh, I would say that it was affecting, you know, my, my self-esteem. It was affecting, you know, my relationships uh, with friends and family. I was just, you know, frustrated. I didn't feel like that, um, you know, it, it was, it was an area of, of, of failure, if you will, at that point in my life, uh, all the way to the point even to where it, it impacted. I was getting incredible, you know, migraine headaches. And looking back on it now, and talking to my parents about that stage in my life, you know, those headaches were very much brought on by a lot of um, a lot of the feelings, and a lot of the stress that I put on myself because of that. So I transitioned to. We've got a, a wonderful public school system there and I moved to a middle school and there was a person that um greeted me essentially on the first day I was not real thrilled about changing school I didn't like school to begin with and then I certainly wasn't thrilled about changing schools and going to this whole new environment so it was very scary for me at the time as I'm sure it is for a lot of kids at that stage in their life and there was a a person that um my, my mom had called the school, kind of expressed some of these challenges, and uh, I was greeted by a, a very tall, um, very large man by the name of Mr. Waters, is the way he was introduced to me. And he invited me into his office. He was a, a guidance counselor that was there and said, uh, hey, you don't have to go to class today. Just come on in. We'll you know, look around and, um, you know, you can leave your lunch here in the office. You don't even, you don't even have to stay if you don't want to. And, um, you know, when I reflect back on that, I think about just the, um, the, the empathy and the caring and really taking the time to, to, to meet with me and go through that at that stage in my life. Um, you know, it's impacted me. It's impacted me that, uh, You know, it's certainly something I work through and have overcome, but it made an impact in my life for sure and made an impact of an example of how you can meet people during, you know, challenges or difficulties in in their life, seek to understand kind of what's going on and then help guide them through some of that process.
0: Yeah, it sounds like he did such a great job of, you know, especially as a a kid coming into a new school, there's there's so much anxiety and fear of the unknown and, and all that. It sounds like he did such a great job of just, you know, from the moment you walked in the door, making you feel comfortable. What was that first day? Yeah. My
3: mom tells me I, I stayed the rest of the day and um, you know, really the rest is history kind of started me off on a, a whole new trajectory. I was able to get the support that I needed within the school to, you know, really f- sort out and get me the proper, um, classes and training and things like that to manage uh, some of the learning disability that, 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 I had at my, at that time. And it changed literally my confidence in myself. And I got back to playing sports. The headaches went away. And um, I mean, it was a game changer and really a lot is owed to that first interaction. And really because of Mr. Waters and because of the impact that he made in my life. I think an important lesson that I kind of took away from all of that is that we have a choice and we have an opportunity to make an impact and we we are and can make an impact in people's lives that we don't even know that we're impacting. You know, this is something that he was just doing his job and probably would have no idea that, you know, 40 years later, 30 some odd years later that I'm talking about Um, you know, interaction with this person and the impact that he made in my life probably have, has no idea. And um, so I think that, that's a powerful sort of takeaway for me is, is the fact that you you can, you can make those impacts in people's lives and they may never even, they may never tell you, but if you, if you look at every interaction, you look at every opportunity to where you 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 try and make an impact or you you look for ways to make an impact you just never know the seeds that you're planting and the things that will happen in the lives of others
2: that's exactly right you know you said something earlier that it always comes back around and and i think you're 100 percent right that you know we don't always know how it's going to come back around the difference that we make in people's lives but it always does come back around in some regard you know you think about the you know whether it's something directly that that person does to repay you or say thank you or whether it's and the difference in the way that they move and how that affects somebody else's life uh, or or 40 years later that you're on a podcast and uh, and your name comes up and uh, you're telling the story to you know to thousands of people about the difference that uh, you know that that somebody made yeah so I think that's very cool.
3: Yeah. I remember it kind of reminds me of the story with John O'Leary and, um, you know, he talked about and wrote about in his book on fire, which was, you know, about the nurse nurse. I think it was nurse Roy that, uh, you know, was there during the period of time, um, in his life that, uh, was really pushing and challenging, you know, John to, to, uh, in part of his recovery. And, um, you know, for those that don't know that story, so John O'Leary was, was burned on close to 100% of his body. And he talks about how that has, um, you know, through all that adversity and the challenges that that's completely changed and transformed his life. And, um, you know, he's decided to live a a life on fire. It's it's a great story. And it just kind of reminds me of that of, you know, he, he talks about going back and sharing with, with Nurse Roy just the impact that he made in, in keeping him alive and, uh, and inspiring him to, to go day by day. You know, I just think about those, those. We can be those people in other people's lives. You know, we have such a sense of purpose and an opportunity to make an impact in other people's lives. It's just a choice to look at it that way. And I think a lot of folks walking around uh, and get up every day that's not what they're thinking about. I just don't believe that they're, uh, they're living their life and, and, um, you know, with the, they feel like they don't have a purpose. And I think we all have a purpose and all have an opportunity. We just have to make that choice, you know, for our own life.
2: Yeah. I think, you know, there's so, you know, we always hear about the the, the, you know, the most popular radio station in the world, the, you know, W, what is it, IFM, what's in it for me? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, so many individuals, they, they walk around with that very myopic perspective and everything that they do and every decision they make and every action that they take is, you know, what, what am I going to gain? What should I do? For what, you know, what, how's this going to benefit me? And... You know and there's a ripple effect from from that, just as powerful as there is from you know thinking about how do I make a difference in the lives of the people around me. Um, it's just a profoundly less impactful difference uh, that it makes and and uh, I think you're right. I think you see that a lot in leaders uh, uh, there's a you know a, a self-centeredness with which you know they might move or a narcissistic uh, uh thought process that they may have. Um, when you see it in people, just in everyday life and the, in the simple things that they do, but it's, uh, you know, to, to shift it around and really think about, you know, what's the positive ripple that I'm making here? What's the difference in the, in the folks around me, um, and, uh, that I'm making, you know, how am I, how am I helping this person to smile or feel better about themselves or, um, you know, feel worthy in what it is they're doing or seeing the purpose and what it is that they're doing. Um, it's a, it's a very, very powerful message to send.
3: Yeah, I think there's lots of examples of that around us. I think you can turn on the TV, you can turn on the radio, you can look everywhere at just that very uh, self-centered, um, you know, culture that, uh, that exists out there. And there are a lot of folks that have become very successful, you know, through those ways. There's, uh, you know, some great books that are out there that, um you know, one of them that comes to mind is that book, uh, you know, Give and Take, that um, was written and talks a lot about you know givers and then takers and the success of you know the takers versus the givers. And there's just so many examples out there of where that self-centered behavior. And I'll tell you through my journey of leadership, of you know being an individual contributor and in the different roles uh, throughout my career you know, I've struggled at times trying to think about what is the right approach? You know, how, how do you approach each day? And I guess what I've learned through trying to, to study life and to study, um, you know, the ways to be successful at the highest levels while also being very true to what's most important to me is to lead the way that, the way that I do. And, um, It's, it's been very, very fulfilling. It's been very fulfilling. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a better leader at work. I'm a better husband to my wife at home. I'm a better father to my, my daughter. Um, I'm truly more happy versus getting up every day and thinking about how I'm going to get whatever it is that I want for myself. Um, and, and kind of missing the whole boat at the end of the day. You know why achieve the highest um, success, or you know climb the biggest mountains and and lose the point of of what you know why you're there or or where you're going. You know why why you're going there and, and who's most important to you. So you know that's been through incredible mentors that I've had the opportunity to spend time with and talk about these things to the examples of the people that you know have been in my life, you know, from, from birth and, you know, just great examples of leaders from that perspective, but it really makes for a very fulfilling life when you approach each day that way. And so some of these tools that we've talked about today that I've, you know, incorporated in my life have helped me to live that life.
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's, there's a, a great, um, investor actually out of Silicon Valley now Naval Ravikant, who talks about you know he says uh, self-esteem is the rep is just the reputation you have with yourself and I think you know when it comes to the give and take side of things um, you know he talks about you always want to do the right thing because even if nobody else finds out you'll always know and that reputation you have with yourself will suffer and I think there's a lot of, of truth to that and you know, like you talked about being happy. And I think so much of that is, you know, just peace of mind of, of being, you know, like you said, at peace with the decisions that you make and the intentions that you have with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You'll,
3: you'll know that, that not doing something, you know, it's completely unrelated, but um, you know, the late Jim Rohn, a lot of folks know him. He wrote, um, you know, one of the famous, the, the, the art of, of exceptional living. That was something my parents gave me. You talked earlier about cassette tapes. Um, I still have the original cassette tape set of the Jim Rohn, the art of exceptional living. And um, you know, one of the things he talks about, which just kind of, when you were talking about this, that you'll know he talks about tipping and he talks about you know, if you were going to tip somebody and let's say you were going to tip them a dollar or, you know, two dollars or something, just to use, you know, simple example, is that you'll know the difference between whether or not you, you know, you gave them that extra, especially if they provided exceptional service for you, that the feeling that you get, you know, by, uh, you know, giving them that that tip that you feel, um it it gives you a sense of satisfaction. You know, you'll never walk back. That person is never going to go chase you down and say, Oh, thank you so much for that. Sometimes that happens, but it's, it's interesting what happens to you inside because you know that. And I think the same thing with, with others, Um, these other things that we've been talking about that when you lead a a life that way, that um, you feel much more fulfilled inside. Regardless of ever getting something back in return, maybe for that selfless selfless act that you gave.
0: Yeah, and I th- I think you're, you're you're such a great example uh, and proof of you know it doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, meaning you know it doesn't have to just be you know giving and serving others and you're sacrificing your own success you know for for yourself. You've won the integrity award at at Lincoln, which I'd love to, to hear a little bit more about, but even beyond that, you know, you've also, you know, you, you achieved, I think it was 156% of your, of your plan this year for, for your team. So, you know, I think those two things, you're a great example of how those two things can go together. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate you bringing
3: that up. I mean, so the first, so I work in an, in, in an industry that, um, you know, we have being in kind of the sales and distribution, we get together once a year to go through a lot of, you know, it sets up the strategy for the next year and there's, there's sort of a rewards uh, component to it to celebrate our past year's success. And at the end of the evening, um, there's an award for the integrity award and they read through all of these um, you know, great, great bios around what you know that means to the organization and how it's a very important you know tenant. Obviously, being Lincoln Financial, it's embedded in you know th- that name and and in what what Abraham Lincoln uh, stands for. And uh, it was a tremendous honor. It was a tremendous honor to accept that in. It was something that's very, very special to me. So I'd, I'd never—that was the first national award that I had ever received within a, you know, a large Fortune, you know, where Fortune, uh, you know, 200 company to be recognized for that was uh, inc- just incredibly special to me.
0: And well done. And, and the
3: successes, oh, I appreciate that. And you know, the success has come. I think that's the thing this year. We did. We received the the highest performing uh, regional office in the country. And it it really taught me that you can lead the way that I've been doing it. And by really supporting your team, the relationships that you build with them, you know, leading the person, you know, leading by the person and not their performance. Um, You know, Dabble Sweeney talks about, you know, leading their heart versus, you know, their talent and, you know, really building those relationships with the team and really building things at a personal level with them so they can go out and achieve their absolute best. And everybody's a little different. Um, You know, everyone has different um, things that motivate them. There's things that are going on in their life. And so taking the time to truly build relationships with them to understand how you can help them to be the absolute best that they can be has truly proven to produce exceptional results. And uh, yeah. it's, it's been tremendously rewarding sticking true to what truly is kind of my natural leadership style. And I've tried lots of different things and uh, to find one that is you know true to me and to, to, at the core of, who I am and then to be able to produce that kind of success has is, is been very,
0: very rewarding. Yeah. And I love what you said about, you know, leading the, leading people versus leading performance. Could you talk a little bit more about that or maybe give us an example of what would somebody who's leading people, uh, you know, something that they would do versus somebody that's more leading performance?
3: Well, I think that, um, you know, you've got to be true just cause you have a really top performer may not be that they're doing all the right things and you can't necessarily lead to their performance and um, but leading you know by the person and the same may be true for someone that's an underperformer so somebody that may not be performing at their absolute best is that you know really trying to understand building a relationship with them getting to know them getting to understand you know what it is that's going on, that, that can change their performance. So, it truly is being able to, uh, you know, drive results uh, on maybe the things that the person, just because they're a good performer, may not be that they're exhibiting all the things that you would want them to be doing, you know. They may not be you know, operating under integrity and with a sense of urgency and, um, you know, all of the other non-negotiables, you know, they may not not be taking ownership and being a a caring professionalism with others. And so just because they've got great performance doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing all the right things. So um, I found too, that you build, you know, exceptional trust by doing that. You know, we focus a lot on, there's a, you know, a pretty basic formula as to how we approach uh, the marketplace and the way that we approach, you know, all the folks that we have the opportunity to serve. You know, I'm part of running a sales and distribution, a part of the business. And so, um, you know, one of the things is, you know, connecting with, with each of these folks on a level that, um, you know, truly enables them to be, to be their best.
2: So Ryan, uh, I'm curious because uh, my instincts tell me that this is an area where a lot of leaders struggle. Um, and, and perhaps they struggle for different reasons. You know, maybe they struggle because they're, because they don't know how to build that kind of relationship. Maybe they struggle because they think that the, you know, they have to solely focus on the performance aspects of what somebody is doing. Um, or maybe they just lack the confidence to, you know, invest the, you know, that, that if I invest the time and energy in building this relationship, that it's, you know, going to, that it, it, it's, it's going to work out in a beneficial ma- uh, fashion. So if you've, how do you, how do you go about building that that caliber of relationship with people where... You know, you you can they you establish a trust. You can pull down their walls. You can have real conversations with them. So, if you've got let's just say somebody new joining your team, walk us through what do you what do you do with with somebody when they're new to kind of put the right foundation in place.
3: Well, I think it really starts first with being genuine and authentic. You know, you truly have to approach. Uh, it starts, I mean, I, I, it starts with me from the hiring process. You know when I reach out and I'm hiring, I'm having conversations with people. I want to get to know them. I want to, them to know a little bit about me. And this doesn't mean that you get into all of their personal details and that you dive into things that, that people you know you don't want to be uh, creepy about this stuff, but it's truly being authentic and genuine and that you're being genuine and sharing things about yourself and things that are important to you. It's asking them questions. You know, a lot of times I think so, and I I know I did this, you know, for, for many, many years is, you know, I would dive right into, when you think about the difference between leadership versus management, you know, I would dive into all the tactical things. I'd read the resume, and I'd ask them all the technical questions, and I've completely taken a different approach to all of that And the first is to get to know them. You know, I want to understand what their thoughts and beliefs are. I want to understand a little bit about them and, you know, not only what they've accomplished and what their skills are, but um, a little bit about what they believe and what they think. And so I think it starts with truly uh, in the beginning, you know, right from the interview process or right from the time that you meet people. So whether that be, you know, new customers that we're meeting with or, you know, new, we work with uh, consultants on on a regular basis. And it's also sharing them with what you're about and what drives you. So one of the things that I have really found to be, you know, rewarding is being able to share some of these fundamental principles about what, you know, what I stand for and what my team stands for And what our business and our organization stands for, and I believe through that you create a trust and you create a foundation that you then build upon. You know, from there.
2: And just having, just standing for something, you know, I I think that in and of itself is sadly unique. Um, You know, and that I think a lot of leaders haven't taken the time to really crystallize. What are those non negotiables? What are those, you know, absolute fundamental tenets that you know we stand for as an organization? And and I don't I uh, uh, I don't remember who it was who said that you you know you stand for nothing, you stand for something, for something or you fall for, for or you or you fall for anything, I think it yeah, was. Okay. Yeah, okay. Might have been John Cooper Mellencamp who said that. I don't know. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> uh the uh it but, makes
3: <laughs> life really easy. I mean, it makes it really easy, to be honest, when you just go back to those fundamental things, you can't replace those fundamentals. And when you stand for something and when uh, everything that you do points to certain specific things, um, it makes it easy to make decisions. It makes it easy to have a conversation about a particular situation. It makes it easy for them to understand what the expectations are that you're going to have upon them. I mean, right off the bat, when you sit down and you share with somebody and you say, listen, we have four non-negotiables and everything that we do, we're going to act with integrity and we're going to have a sense of urgency. We're going to, you know, take ownership. You know, it may not be your problem. You know, you may have a customer that calls you and it's a a department that you're not responsible for, but you do need to take ownership and making sure that that gets handled properly and transitioned and you seek to understand what's going on, you know, they brought that to you and you, you have to take ownership of that. And so when you, when you share those things, it makes it, it makes it really easy. You know, another fundamental thing that we talk about in the marketplace is, you know, no like, and trust, you know, that, that takes care of literally the whole sales process for us. Uh, uh, you know, and that's another part that we sort of lay out, is, you know, people need to know who you are and know what you do and what you represent. So you have to be out in the marketplace and people need to know you, you know, they're not going to, your, your solutions aren't going to sell themselves if people don't know who you are and what you sell. People want to do business with people that they that they like. So you have to find a way of creating some sort of rapport. That doesn't mean that you're going to be best friends. It doesn't mean that you're going to go to that person's, you know, wedding or their kid's wedding but you definitely have to find a way for you to have some likability people aren't going to do business with you if they don't like you then ultimately they may know you they may they may like you but they ultimately have to trust that you're going to be able to deliver you're going to have to be able to deliver whatever that solution is that you've been talking about and the one thing that i found with that is not only they trust you but they have to trust the organization that you represent and, uh, you know, a, a lot of times I know folks in kind of sales uh, types of roles and distribution types of roles is that, you know, if something doesn't go right, they'll, oh, yeah, that's the, the home office's fault. Or that's, you know, we get into those. Well, no, you, you're, you're the home office. You're part of this, the broad organization. And they ultimately can't just trust you. They have to trust the entire organization. And literally the entire sales process in a lot of ways is driven off of those three things. When I have meetings with my team and we start talking about what's going on in the marketplace, it really centers around, you know, do do all the folks that need to know you know you? Do they like you? And have you found a way to create some sort of relationship with them to where they want to do business with you? And then third, do they trust that you can deliver whatever solutions you've talked about and do they trust the organization? uh, can do that for them. And, uh, it, it makes it pretty, pretty simple.
0: Yeah. I love the simplicity of, of the non-negotiables that, that comes with that. I think a lot of times so many people avoid that kind of thinking of just making a stand for something and having non-negotiables just, you know, because they're trying to keep everybody happy. And if there's somebody that doesn't buy into one or the other, they're trying to play every scenario, uh, know as it comes but i love the i love the language of the non-negotiables because you know like you said it makes things so much simpler and i think it's it's kind of because like it almost removes so many decisions that you would have to make otherwise that the decision's kind of already made once it once it comes up um when when you're kind of having these non-negotiables you've made the decision six months ago or whenever you you decided to join this team and embrace these non-negotiables when something pops up, you've already made the decision that you're going to take ownership for it. So the decision of what to do is not one of you're weighing the pros and cons or anything. You're just, you already made the decision. And I I think you're right. That does make things, it makes life so much simpler when you remove so many of the little decisions that you would have to make otherwise.
3: Yeah. I mean, with that foundation, I have not found, you know, you kind of mentioned where, people are trying to pick and choose and they're trying to please people. I mean, in the time that we've been really utilizing this as a, as a foundation for running the business and, you know, that I've incorporated within you know, everything that I'm responsible for, I find it to be the response is the opposite where people are, are truly looking for and starving for, something to stand for and that they know what it is that's expected of them and that they feel good about the fact that they have guiding principles to go out and, and act upon and to, you know, take to their customers, to take to the marketplace, to, it it, it alleviates a lot of guesswork as to what what they should be doing. it it truly drives everything that you do. That's a, you know, it's very uh, purposeful as to, you know, that this is what we're driven by because it it truly does drive every aspect of of everything that we do every
0: day. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right. People are starving for that. And I think, you know, with, when it comes to non-negotiables, I think people might have hesitated to embrace those or implement those as a leader, you know in order to keep people happy but i think you're right most of that's in your head that's really what people want uh and that's just kind of a, a myth that they have in their head of, of drawing the line in the sand they feel like they're cutting people out when in reality they're really becoming a magnet to attract, attract yeah.
2: the people they people want. people opt in and if you've got somebody who is prone to move without integrity who you know likes to do the the dirty deals and you know and and the backhanded things as soon as they see that you've put a stake in the ground and said this is this is what we stand for, they can look at that and make the decision. Well, do do I stand for that, or you know, or have I never really thought about what I stand for, or am I something contrary to that? In which case, you you know, you attract the people that you want to attract, and you repel the ones that you don't want on the team anyway. Yeah,
3: that's absolutely. You know and I think there's been some ex- exceptional leaders that you you see you know today on the biggest stages that are truly they have a lot of these methods and they 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 drive their teams. I mean, just look at sporting teams, for example, I mean just the success that you know Adabo Sweeney has had at Clemson, a lot of these same fundamental I mean he stands for something his his team and his players know that, and he's creating you know, men, they're going to go off, um, you know, into the world, you know, this football is just one part of their life. And you, know, you you look at a Matt Rule that just joined the Carolina Panthers, you know, from Baylor, again, someone that stands for, he talks a lot about, this is something we talk a lot about, you know, as a group and a team is, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. And it kind of goes back to those things when you stand for something it dictates and drives how you do everything. But it makes it simple. That's the thing that I've found that I I struggled. I think that people when they're going through their careers and they're they're having ups and downs in, in their careers and different points of, you know, I had some, you know, big struggles in, in parts of my, you know, my career and in different parts of um, you know, my professional life where you know, I struggled with what to do, and I struggled with how to approach things. And I found that I have such a sense of clarity, knowing these fundamental principles that truly help make the decisions very simple. It's amazing how that how that you know impacts you know every day, every decision, you know what you do uh, when you when you have that.
2: I think there's such wisdom right there, you know, and, and I think there's value for each of us as human beings to really sit back and ponder, uh, you know, what really are our non-negotiables, you know, what is it that we stand for as human beings and, and what are those things that we're just not willing to compromise on and, you know, it allows us to move through life with a, a level of clarity and purpose That you know, I and Ryan, you said it earlier. They, you know, people desperately want, but so many people struggle to find.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So, Ryan, I'm curious. uh, You know, it's you've done a wonderful job as a uh, you know as a leader. You've obviously had tremendous impact in your career, um, both in terms of what you've accomplished and. uh, and And the difference that you've made and you know and scores of lives around you of all those men and women who are fortunate enough to to call you their leader, so you know knowing what you know now, if you could go back and give advice to a you know twenty year old Ryan Hawley who is just starting out his career, uh, what advice would you give to your twenty year old self
3: you know I think one would be to you know really lean into the things that uh, are important to you and that are that are true don't don't search for things that are you believe are going to make you successful, but then sort of lose the whole point, if you will. You know there were stages of my life where I put you know work and I put my uh, success, you know, ahead of a lot of other things. And, um, you know, I've realized through this journey, first and foremost, that, you know, your, what you do in your career and what you do, you know, for work, um, you know, is really not letting that truly define who you are. You know, I am a, I'm a husband and a father first. Um, and I am, you know, an exceptional, person in, in the business that I do, but that doesn't define me. So I'd first, you know, say that to my younger self, because I definitely spent a lot of time putting stake into that. Um, you know, secondly, is, is really believing in yourself. You know, there were times where, you know, I failed at things that I did. And um, I truly looked at them with probably more of a, a fixed, you know, mindset versus a true open and a growth mindset of looking at my failures and looking at the things that I didn't do as tremendous opportunities to uh, learn from. And, uh, and then the last is, you know, I think seeing these fundamental, you know, really getting these, these guiding principles, these fundamental things that you stand for and breaking them down into a way that you can define, you know, very easily, whether you know, it's adopting things from others. I mean, a lot of this stuff, I didn't come up with this stuff on my own, but I've been a student of, I, I read lots of books and consume lots of information around all these concepts that we've talked about today, whether it be on podcasts, whether it be in books, whether it be, you know, through all these different apps today that you can consume material in a, in a pretty quick fashion. And, um, you know, I think finding what you, what resonates with you, And what you stand for and then defining that and then, and then living by it and being, being open to changing it along the way as well. Not, probably not some of the fundamentals, but if it's not working for you is being willing to, to continue to grow and learn and change along the journey and to enjoy the journey. Uh, This is truly the, the, the moments, the big moments, you know, the, the night that I, you know, was presented with the Integrity Award, wow, is that a, a great feeling to stand there on stage and accept that and, ha- and be recognized. But that's one small fleeting moment. There are so many moments each and every day that we get up, and that's what it's really all about. It's about those moments in between the big moments and not to live just for uh, the big celebrations or the big goals that you accomplish, but it's uh, really living each and every day and, and enjoying that journey. So I would tell my, tell my younger self, I guess, a lot of things because I've learned a lot along the way.
2: Well, that's Pretty the Yeah, that's the, that's the measure of a life well lived, my friend. So, well, Ryan, uh, thank you so much for sharing some time and, and most importantly, sharing your wisdom with us today. I think that there are tremendous golden nuggets in what you have built and how you have built it. So uh, I'm quite certain that uh, all of the listeners will find a lot of value in the conversation. So Ryan, thank you.
3: Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to spend some time with you guys today. It's been fun.
0: It has been fun. Thanks, Ryan. Hey guys, one more thing before you take off. This is Motivational Intelligence Insider. It's just a very short, exclusive email uh, every Monday that comes from Dave, John, and the guests on this show. Uh, This is the only place they share their very, very best stuff, and it's delivered right to your inbox every single Monday. Uh, this could include exclusive tips for upping your game, uh, articles they're reading, videos they're watching, stories from the road, and on and on. It's the best way to kick off your week, and this content is uh, comes directly from Dave John and the guests and is only available to subscribers of Motivational Intelligence Insider. So if you want these guys in Galaxy email you their best stuff, go to 2logical.com forward slash insider. That's the number 2logical.com forward slash insider and drop in your email. And if you do, I hope you enjoy it.
1: The Motivational Intelligence Podcast is produced by the team at 2logical. 2Logical is an international corporate training firm and the world's leading expert in motivational intelligence, which is the ability to understand, manage, and change the motives people have. 2Logical offers over 30 different keynotes, workshops, and full training courses to small, medium, and large Fortune 500 companies in 53 countries, a lot of which you're probably familiar with. Provisor, Bank of America, GE, Constellation Brands, P&G, and more. All solutions are completely customized and the feedback from these sessions will blow your mind. If you have any training or speaking needs or just want to say hey, head over to 2logical.com.